I'm Leslie. And I'm Amber. And you're listening to The, the Grim Mystics. Hello, everybody. Oh, we talked at the same time. <gasps> Cute. Cute. <laughs> We're on um, recording two of October. How are you feeling so far? Yes. Um, good, because I haven't started editing the other episode. <laughs> that is the goal for today. <laughs> I will say it was a crunch to get uh, the Snape Wives of one up, but we did it. I got it. I know. Like, I was thinking about it. Like, other podcasters do this all the time. I was trying to walk Craig through it and I was like, yeah, so Leslie is going to edit this one and I'll do this one and like figuring out what our weeks are. And it's just, if I try to think about it too much, it's way too confusing. <laughs> it's just stressful. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, this is what we used to do, you know, and remember yeah. we were like so strung out. So I'm glad mm-hmm. we're only doing this in October. <laughs> yeah. And I think because there's an end, like we're not as stressed and technically too, we're doing an extra episode to have one out for Halloween, Halloween. on Monday. Exactly. Yeah. I know. So. I do have something that I did want to talk about on the podcast. Yes. So this is just kind of funny. This happened um, last week. Okay. So Robbie and I, we are procrastinators and we do all of our laundry on the same day, but we wait until the very end to fold them. Okay. And we throw everything on our bed and we have folding parties. <laughs> and... I wish I was not telling the truth. I mean, I want to just point out real quick, that is the complete opposite <laughs> of my family. When I decided I was going back to work and Rav's laundry was a part of our lives, I literally assigned days. <laughs> oh, that's how I used to do it. Yeah. And I, I did a day in between. So if you got kind of falling behind, you at least had a day and someone wasn't like, I need the washer now. But we have days at my house now. <laughs> See, that's... That's probably smart. That's how I used to do it. But now I'm just too busy. And so mm-hmm. I have to do it on the same day. But mm-hmm. so anyway, so we're doing our folding party. And I had we so Amber knows this. I don't know if, I, if I've announced this on the podcast. I'm like <clears throat> pro Google. So I like refuse to give in to peer pressure. I will not get an iPhone. I will yes. not get an Alexa. No, you're it, you're hardcore. It's just a it's a personality trait of mine, unfortunately. Do you have one of those like "Hey Google" things in your house instead of uh, "She Who Should Not Be Named" because she'll hear me and start talking? <laughs> yes. So okay. it's called an it's called a Nest, a Google Nest, mm-hmm. and I have two of them. I have one in my kitchen and I have one in my bedroom. Okay. And the Nest is not like yours. Like she, it's you know, if, it's like for yours if you say her name Mm -hmm. right she'll or even anything similar to her name she'll Mm -hmm. start talking yeah but like google is not that way like i have said google seven times right (laughs) and she's not listening (laughs) right and well and i i mean i don't have my nest in the office but my phone is a google phone so it would pop up you know with my google assistant too Mm. so this whole time nothing is happening right you have to say a very specific term for it to start doing anything oh nice and so during our folding party, we were playing music on the nest mm-hmm. and we were, but we were playing yellow card and it's like, yeah. 
and I'm only saying this for context because it's like you know an alternative emo like mm-hmm. it's not that's the the genre okay so we finished our folding party we're laying in bed it's like probably 45 minutes later my phone is on my nightstand we're not touching we're not talking like nothing is happening mm-hmm. out of nowhere my google nest starts playing don't fear the reaper <gasps> what <laughs> <laughs> I just got so many goose pimples at once. <laughs> My leg hair has completely grown back. <laughs> I like, um, and so Robbie and I just kind of started like looking at each other and we laughed because shit like this happens a yeah. lot. Well, and if you don't laugh, then it gets scary. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I turned it off. And so, you know, we're trying, I don't know. I have no explanation for it. We weren't even listening to that decade of music, you know, so it's yeah. not like. It was like playing and it just glitched mm-hmm. and started playing again. Right. It was just so random. Like, and of all songs, it plays Don't Fear the Reaper, which, I mean, I that is on my playlist. I love that song. Oh, my God. But <laughs> this is the situation See, it was. And I've never heard that song, but I'm imagining, like, the Jeepers Oh, I bet Jeepers you have. Song. <laughs> no, no, no. I bet you have. Is it scary? No. No, 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 no. Uh, I'll cut it out for copyright reasons, but I'll play okay. it real quick. Okay. Oh. Okay. Okay scary song but that's but the name of the song is don't fear the reaper okay yeah because for me i was imagining like the jeepers creepers song like when you said it's not that era i went back to like the 50s when they had weird ass music no 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 that would have been fucking horrifying right through the tulips i would have shit my pants (laughs) (laughs) so then okay easier to laugh at that song but weird yeah so and then the next day at work um we have this jingle bell on our door mm-hmm. so that we can hear when people come in. Yeah. And it was me and my coworker and we were sitting at our desks and we weren't moving. We weren't talking. And the jingle bell started jingling. Uh-huh. And she kind of looked at me and she was like, is there someone here? Because I can see the door mm-hmm. from my desk. And there was in fact no one there. So <sighs> it's happening again, kids. <laughs> Leslie's spirit guides and whatever else is attached to her want to give her a really good October. (laughs) Let's just jump in. You want to jump in? Yes. As is, I'm not entirely sure that I'm going to be able to finish. Well, actually, I know. I know. I will not be able to finish my entire research in this episode. Oh, really? I've got about... I'm not, first of all, I'm not even finished, Amber. I actually, when you called me, I was about to call you and be like, I'm not fucking done, but... (laughs) With the research that I have, I'm already on 10 pages. Oh my gosh. So is this going to be another part two? Yeah, I don't think okay. I'm going to do it though for my oh. next episode. Oh, okay. So, so part two eventually? Yeah, I think probably in like, you know, around Christmas or something. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Maybe you could dive back into it for your November episode. So this is going to be a cliffhanger, friends. <laughs> A little bit. Um, can you tell us where we're going on the map? Of course. Today on the map, we're going to White Castle. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. That's a burger place, isn't it? White Chapel. (laughs) Uh, Today on the map, we're going to White... Please leave that in. (laughs) Okay, friends, today we're going to White Chapel. White Chapel. (laughs) Um, But maybe stop at White Castle for some burgers later. (laughs) Which I still have never been to. Neither have I. I've only had the frozen ones and they were okay. Eh. 
Well, I mean, you know, for a quick college eating something there, when your okay. mom buys you stuff at Sam's, you eat it. Oh, <laughs> valid. You know, in Sam's, they've got a good frozen section. They do. Anyway, so yeah, we're, go- <laughs> we're going to Whitechapel. Um, Whitechapel is in London, England. <gasps> oh, Whitechapel. Whitechapel. Um, and this is an old crime, um, Amber. So Ooh. I'm going to set the scene. And before I even tell you what, who and what we're talking about. Okay. Tuesday, April 3rd, 1888. A woman is taken to the London hospital due to severe injuries. The doctor who treated her uh, is a man named Dr. George Haslip. um, And he described her injuries as, quote unquote, truly horrific. Oh, God. This woman was named Emma Elizabeth Smith. She was a 45-year-old woman who was a widow and who happened to be a sex worker. Oh, After further investigation, it's discovered that Emma's right ear has been torn pretty much completely off. Oh, my God. Her peritoneum, uh, which is the lining cavity covering her abdominal organs, had been slashed. What? And her internal organs were, like, essentially hanging out of her body. Oh, my God. On top of that, she had also been violently sexually assaulted. Oh, no. Dr. Haslip later said that he thought she had been assaulted with a foreign blunt instrument that had just been used with extreme force. Oh, no. Emma had said that while she was walking past the Whitechapel church, she had come into contact with a group of men who started following her. As they kept following her, she explained that that they brutally attacked her. By Wednesday morning, Emma had fallen into a coma after having having a severe infection and passed away on April 4th, 1888. Oh my goodness. So this shocking murder, we'll come to find out, um, eventually led the Whitechapel police to start investigating what is now known as the Whitechapel murders. I've never heard of it. Well, Amber, from April 3rd, 1888 to February 13th, 1988, Oh, my God. Let's try again. From April 3rd, 1888 to February 13th, 1891. Not 1991. <laughs> um, <clears throat> oh, my God. That would be <laughs> insane. <laughs> a bit much. <laughs> uh, 11 women were brutally murdered in the Whitechapel streets. Um, and the man who is presumed to be responsible for at least five of these murders is the infamous serial killer Jack the Ripper. Oh, Bum, 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 bum. So, so th- is this like his origin story, maybe? So, <sighs> Jack the Ripper. That I mean, that this is this was the main focus of my of my uh, research. I I kind of honestly thought I was going to be able to tie this up in one in one go. And, <laughs> really? <laughs> well, one just, of the biggest murder mysteries of our time and before our time. I mean, yeah, I knew it was, I knew, I thought I had known about the case. I mean, I knew the basics, right? Mm -hmm. That he was a a serial killer. He brutally killed women. Um, Mm -hmm. But there just was so, there's actually just so much to it. It's such a complex story. Um, And I believe, I I guess I shouldn't announce this yet, but I mean, I haven't gone to that, but wasn't he um, identified? I never thought thought he was i thought that they like had found like some dna but i don't know if it went anywhere i feel like in 2020 they identified him really yeah they did (gasps) they did yes so 
I can, I'll tell you who he is at the end of this, but, um, well, and that's going to be in a couple of weeks, friends. So this episode, I'm basically, we will come to find out. So like I said, there are 11 murders that take place in this, during this time, but they can only, um, like really confirm five of them to him. Okay. So today I'm basically going to start I'm going to talk about the two murders that essentially opened this case, um, which are not necessarily, like I said, confirmed to be Jack the Ripper victims, but are victims of the Whitechapel murders, which basically hold Jack the Ripper's file in it. I mean, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. They're they're separate murders confirmed, but they had basically back in 1888 put him together, put them together. Okay. So sources, I had a lot of sources, um, and actually, it, it ca- I came to the realization that I wasn't going to be able to tie this in a bow when I found out that Morbid had five episodes. Oh my god! On Jack the Ripper. Yeah, <clears throat> it's a long one. And I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> so <laughs> I I'm gonna be honest. I'm not gonna do. We're not. I'm not doing five parts. Um, no, no. I only listened to the first one so far because they are all over an hour and a half long oh my gosh she sourced a couple of books and Mm -hmm. i read no books but i read (laughs) some articles um (laughs) so i just basically i'm not gonna take five five parts i think we can probably wrap this up in two okay beautiful something that plays a big factor in this case is the culture um or the the divide the divide oh my god i just had like a stroke <laughs> the diversity that was Whitechapel in the 1800s. Um, it so around then, around the 1880s, the population was around 900,000 people. Mm-hmm. And in 1888 specifically, Whitechapel was described as being a quote-unquote hotbed of vice, villainy, drunkenness, and debauchery. Okay. Yeah, like very dirty, very skeevy. Um, Ooh. Dirty place. It's referred to as the East End of London um, and the West End, which includes like Chelsea and Westminster and Marylebone. <laughs> I'm sure I said that wrong, but like, um, like where the queen, mm-hmm. you know, isn't the queen in Westminster? I I think she's got like a home in Westminster. Okay. So like, but like mm-hmm. it said that dukes lived there and like doctors lived there. That's where like the schools were, you know, that's where... It was described as like luxurious and like you get the picture. Yeah, like a little higher up on the scale of things. Exactly. And so because that's where the educated people were, that's where the newspapers were. Mm. Whitechapel, as we know it today in 1888, is based off of newspapers and writings, but they were all written in the West End. And so there's like one article I read kind of like had this idea that maybe the East End had this like really shitty reputation Mm -hmm. was because it was written by people who didn't even live there. Oh, that makes sense. And they like wanted to... how they look at it. Yeah. And they like wanted to push this division Mm -hmm. of like this poor end and this high end. Well, and at that time that, I mean, it's, it's always been a thing in our history, but at that time, like status was everything. Everything exactly. So you need somewhere to like look down on if you want the West End to be like looked up to. Exactly it, and I mean, the West End had you know it was described as posh and it had like Mm. fashion and um, around this time they were building all of these like music halls and theaters and they were 
growing the arts in the in the community and Mm -hmm. it was just this like thriving area Mm -hmm. but then you went to the east side and it was honestly what it sounds like it was just basically like middle to lower class like blue collar folk you know it's hard because it's like was it as bad as they described Uh, maybe in some areas Mm -hmm. um whitechapel did have a something that they called like a slum or like a ghetto um that had pretty high crime um, and in fact, it said that almost like 15,000 people were homeless <clears throat> and they lived in these like slums. Hmm. In some areas, it said that they had there were multiple families that would like rent out like a room um, for like a couple of cents, basically. So there would be like four families in like a single box, basically. Mm-hmm. Most boarding houses charged four pence. Did you hear her? Yeah, I did. That's pretty. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to like talk to Baron Abby about making us like little transition music. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> so when we have to pause, we can be we can just kind of put that in instead of try to edit it back. <laughs> exactly, cuz sometimes the transition it just doesn't work. Mm -mm. so we did take a break um we had puppies that needed to go outside and a baby that woke up from a nap so (laughs) so anyway i think where we left off um was i was talking about the the boarding homes um Mm -hmm. in Whitechapel. so the boarding homes they were only available at night um and it was basically just to have some place to go sleep okay to have to not be outside because it's Uh london and it's supposed to be like really cold and freezing. And, um, and in 1888, it actually was supposedly like this really terrible summer, which we'll get to. It was like really rainy and cold. Mm-hmm. So everybody wanted a place to go um, at night, but they were homeless and they didn't have jobs and, mm-hmm. you know, they couldn't afford it. So, so like I said, they charged four pence for a bed, which equals to be about $1.29. Oh, wow. Okay. So pretty affordable. I mean, well, but these these homes were disgusting. Um, well, you can't pay someone to upkeep if that's what you're selling a room for. <laughs> I mean, this is 1888 money, but yeah, <laughs> either way. So, so, so you could do that four pence for a bed, or you could pay a tuppence, which Cute. <laughs> um, is two pennies, and you basically oh. get this rope that's like tied to a wall. <clears throat> and then you like wrap your body over it at <clears throat> like around it and you're like leaning like leaning over it while you sleep but like the rope is holding your body up what <laughs> so you could pay two pennies for that that um, doesn't sound like a good night's sleep at all i saw there were these like boxes that you could sleep in and those were like six pence i think um oh. and so they the had, box like, was really nice <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, or maybe it was two pence. I, anyway, so they, but they were really bad. Um, so, you, and there was, there were all these people because everybody wanted to get out of the rain. And so most of the time they were all just crammed in these nasty little holes. <clears throat> and um, they were like, okay, bu- I take it back. This isn't a cute idea. <laughs> no, no. They were like bug infested and no. there was like no sewage, you know? So see what I'm imagining is like in Japan, they have these things where you can like, it's literally like, it looks like human size, like filing cabinets and you like open a door and it's got a bed on the floor and like, it's really like just your body space and a place to charge your phone. Didn't, didn't Garrett from YouTube stay in yes. one? Oh, yeah. I love him. And he was Me like, too. 
way too big for the yeah, world. Yeah, he was too big. <laughs> yeah. So that uh, that's what I was imagining because Japan does have places, and I'm sure other big cities, you know, might have it, but it's publicized mm-hmm. most in Japan. And they have these places where you can go and sleep and pay next to nothing. And it's really just to have a safe space at night so that you're not on the street, which I think is a genius idea if they're clean. <laughs> yes, no, that I, it, I wish that was the case. But no, this is 1888. Uh, no sewage, no electricity, Gross. Um, infections, diseases, uh, feces, people, dead bodies, just... Um, I saw this like terrible statistic uh, that I hope is not true, but um, it said that more than half of the children who lived in these homes usually only lived to be about five. Oh, my gosh. I mean, statistically, I'm not entirely sure how that checks out. (laughs) Yeah, but But, if that's true, like... Yeah, that's awful. Uh, And that basically like paints the picture of like what Whitechapel, yeah, like what it looked like. And like I said, not all of Whitechapel, not all of the Mm. East End, but in these slums, that's how it Mm. was. Um, They also kind of described it like um, a labyrinth. Uh, They said like all the buildings were like connected. So like I'm picturing mm-hmm. like Diagon Alley, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like it's oh, all okay. basically like a maze, and all the buildings are all connected. Um, yeah, cool. but not cool in 1888 when there was no lights and no, and it was pitch dark, and they were like in these mazes, trying to figure out where to go. I'm really, really testing my patience with my dog. <laughs> you know, I honestly don't even hear it. Okay, good. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I can hear it every once in a while, but it's not like annoying. Constant? Okay. No, I don't think it is. Because it's literally constant. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't think I hear it constant. So yeah, it just was like a, this dirty, gross, I mean, you get the vibe. You yeah. get, I can basically smell it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunate. Uh, and so finding a job in the East End was really, was pretty difficult for a man I mean, for, well, for anyone, but def- definitely a man. So really? that meant it was even harder for a woman. Hmm, okay, yeah. And, you know, in the 1800s, women are property, right? Like mm-hmm. We learned you know, that. Yeah, you know the vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, if a woman was a widow or was, like, maybe divorced or um, was kicked out or, like, for whatever reason, if they didn't have a man or a family, they were fucked. Yeah, that's always unfortunate when that happens. And so, like, these women in the East End who were under these scenarios, they were homeless and they so they couldn't even, like, get a job, right? Because yeah. they, I heard, like, in, well, and specifically in Morbid, they talked about, like, you know, you could sew, you could be, like, a seamstress, you could mm-hmm. um, do people's laundry, but, like, you had to have a place to do that at. Well, and if and, um, a high majority of the area is poor, how many people are able to afford right. those specialty jobs but there were jobs that that these women could work at um because the west end like i said was so like posh and had all of these like high demand for clothing factories they created these factories on the east end that these women would work at Mm -hmm. but supposedly i mean I, i couldn't find exactly what they were paid but they were paid so shitty and they were treated so badly at the at the factories most of it like it wasn't worth it most of them decided it wasn't worth to do Mm. well i mean it makes sense like it's kind of like are you gonna break your back over all this stuff and barely make any money like yeah i get that and for these women it was really easy to make some money 
working, being a sex worker. And so it was easier. It doesn't sound like they were necessarily treated any better. No, but but they were paid. Yeah. and, And you're not, you know being stuck in this factory like I could I could see the the draw to like avoid what is available to you and kind of have a little bit more control ish mm-hmm. ish yeah. not a lot but ish right and so it just caused this like kind of like hostility it kind of sounds like between the west end and the east end um because there were these women who were like fuck you fuck your factories I'm just going to do this instead and that pissed pissed them off mm-hmm and so, like, I saw some people saying that maybe Jack the Ripper was was someone from the West End that was there, like, taking oh. revenge, you know? Okay. Um, or I also saw some people say that they thought maybe they were trying to make it pure. Uh, so they were, like, cleaning, oh. quote, quote, unquote, cleaning, which is disgusting. But Yeah. Ooh. And I kind of saw something that kind of supported that there was this Vicar. I think that's how you say it. It's spelled V-I-C-A-R. Vicar. <clears throat> well, but it's, I, I think it's a Vicar. I, I don't, but they're basically people in the church. Um, they're like not priests, but, mm-hmm. and they're in the Catholic oh, no, church. I, I know, I know that it. Oh, should, it is a vicar? A vicar. Vicar? Yeah, because it was on Friends. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, anyway, so anyway, there, there was this guy. <laughs> Who are, or at least that's how the Americans pronounce it in friends. <laughs> um, and he were he was at the St. Jude's Church in London and he tried to do this like social change, mm-hmm. quote unquote. And he like had this big like campaign and he basically just said like it's a reminder that like the, the West End won't tolerate the East End's like debauchery and because the West End is a Christian country oh. and, and so like we won't tolerate the East End's debauchery. Uh-oh. That's not good. That's kind of like the vibe. I just wanted to set the tone for what the like what was happening at this time. Mhm. And while it was in the 1800s and they didn't have a lot of DNA and there were other reasons as to why Jack the Ripper was never caught at that time. Mhm. And also I think they just didn't give a shit because these murders took place in the East End. And well, and they were people that the church didn't agree with, and exactly, there were women who were sex workers. Maybe I mean, we, from what I saw, we think, but like honestly, who knows? Maybe they were just, I like freelancer. I you know I don't know. Like mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm sure there were people back then who picked up little gigs here and there. Doesn't necessarily have to be sex work. Yeah. Um, and so Jack the Ripper, like I said, has five confirmed quote unquote. Because, I mean, how much could they confirm in 1888 um, that he did? And those are called the canonical five. Oh, canonical? Yeah, canonical. I did have to listen to the pronunciation of that word a couple (laughs) of times. Uh, But there were 11 murders in total that were in this Whitechapel file. And so in today's episode, because we're already 44 minutes in, <laughs> um, I want to talk about the victims that were in in this file before Jack the Ripper's canonical five. Okay. So the first victim um, is a woman, and I, I don't, we never know her name. Um, this one, oh. they don't necessarily know, they don't, actually, they there's really no proof that Jack the Ripper even murdered this woman. Um, okay. 
in her file wasn't put in until after the fact, actually. Um, and the police didn't even really consider her a, a subject because they're just they couldn't find any research. They couldn't find any news on her. Okay. Um, so this woman is now known as Fairy Faye, which I think is, Aww, I know, cute. I think that's a very cute name, Fairy Faye. She was an elderly woman who was homeless at the time. So she, and she was not living in a lodging house. So she truly was on the streets. Oh my gosh. And people didn't, they didn't say that she had family. They didn't say that she had friends. Um, and she was found um, on the streets in Whitechapel on Boxing Day. I didn't know what the fuck Boxing Day was. I know it's a holiday, but that's about it. And I think that London gets like the day off. So apparently it's the day after Christmas. Oh. Which I mean, I think it makes sense because you probably are boxing your gifts, right? Like you're... Oh, that makes sense. So anyway, so they found her on Boxing Day, which is very sad. Mm -hmm. um in 1887 so this is like a whole year before the canonical five even come into play oh my goodness and so um they said that the police inquired about fairy fay um and the the conductor his name was or not the conductor (laughs) the (laughs) like he hadn't he had a title and it began at the constable yeah maybe commander i don't know i don't but he was like in charge of the guy yeah i like constable uh his name and it was constable reed whatever um and so he said that they did look into her but like after a couple of weeks of like no leads without people even knowing her real name yeah they, they you know they closed the case um but she is connected in one of the books um or in, in two books, sorry. One is called The Strange Career of Terrence Robertson and the Origin of Fairy Fay, semicolon, Ripperologist number 73. <laughs> there are 72 other Ripperologists. <laughs> I don't think that's the last one, so like pop off. But <laughs> um, And that was written by Christopher George. And the second book that they connect um, Fairy Fay with Jack the Ripper is a book called Autumn of Terror written by tom cullen um i didn't read either of those but sorry um but the research (laughs) but the research that i did find you know some people that they basically don't even know if she actually existed um oh really yeah just because there's no like there is a file about this woman but it's like a one-page file right it's like elderly woman dead you know instead of jane doe fairy fay right like super vague Mm. so it's like we can't even really confirm so i guess maybe i should have read those books i don't know (laughs) because then i could have found how they confirmed her but um like i said all the research online that i found basically said they don't even know if she was real so okay but um the the other one is emma elizabeth smith and that is who we started this this uh, episode off with the woman who ended up at the london hospital mm-hmm. with her just horrific injuries so um we don't know a lot about emma smith uh she was born in 1843 um and at the time she was 45 at the time of her murder excuse me she was 45 um today it looks like there's not a lot known about her early life because it's been you know 200 years and (laughs) i'm sure things have been lost in translation but um it looks like she maybe had like a son and a daughter who Mm -hmm. lived in a in another suburb of london 
And it was noted in her, the police said that she had a quote unquote touch of culture in her speech, which was unusual for her class. What? So like she was a higher, like a higher ranked woman and she fell from the top? Yeah, she was a widow. So her husband, she probably lived in the West End and her husband died and she couldn't afford to live it there anymore. So she ended up at the at the East End. Oh my god. Is what That's it kind of sounds like. I know. It and I think that a lot of these women, well, we're going to talk about Emma and then one other one and it's the same mm-hmm. thing. They they didn't start in the East End, but they ended in the East End. Oh, um, cuz their husbands. Cuz men are trash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so they said it was just unusual that she could that she was even there because she had a little bit more knowledge than the other women that were, you know, that she worked with. Really, the only thing that we know for sure, like I said, is that Emma was a widow um, and she was living on a, at a lodging house on 18 George Street. And she had been there for almost two years when she was killed. Oh, my gosh. Those that lived with her at the lodging house said that Emma was great in that she was nice. But when she drank, they literally called her a mad woman. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> um, they, <laughs> the woman who ran the lodging home, um, her name was Mary Russell. And she said that, <laughs> that Emma would come home at like the early hours of the morning and have like black eyes because she, she would get into fights because she would like <laughs> pop off. <laughs> oh, woman uh, after my own heart. <laughs> sassy. I know. Uh, so she just sounds like a badass and she is yeah. a badass. Honestly, I, we will come to find out she is a fucking survivor and it's oh. just terrible. Um, so Monday evening, it's April 2nd, um, and a woman who lives at the lodging house with Emma sees Emma talking with a man that she described as wearing dark clothing and a white neckerchief, which I think is like a scarf, right? <laughs> yeah, like one of those like poofy things that goes like right on the Adam's apple. Hot. That goes like around and then floofs up. Floofs up. Yes. <laughs> and that woman's name was Margaret. So Margaret confirmed that she saw Emma with this dude. Margaret herself was going home because she could afford the bed for the evening. Um, and she her- herself had actually just been assaulted by two men. Uh, oh, my God. She literally. She's just going home. Yep, just going home, casual day after work. She said um, that she was literally just standing there. I mean, she she was a sex worker, so I'm sure she was possibly soliciting, you know, men. But she said these two guys just walked up to her and punched her in the mouth and then just ran off. Oh, my God. Some people. Oh, my God. And so Margaret sees Emma um, and this, you know, this rando dude. But she confirms that it's not one of the, the people that attacked her earlier. Yeah. Margaret even said that, like, that Christmas, so the Christmas before 1888, so December 1887, Mm -hmm. had been, like, especially rough, um, is literally what they said. And they had been, like, severely injured by, like, multiple groups of men. Really? Um, It sounds like there was these, like, really bad gangs that were going around Whitechapel around this time. And... We'll get to it in a little bit, but it just doesn't sound like the police did very much about it. Okay. And they were just assaulting these women, probably because they could, and nobody was stopping them. You know, that, so that's December. This is April, so not even four, four months, five months later. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, Margaret, sorry, Margaret said that she stayed at a hospital for a fortnight, which didn't we determine 
in one of our episodes of Fortnite's like two fucking weeks. Yeah, we did. Like, I guess I could have Googled it, but I, but when I read I'm that. I'm pretty sure, yeah. I think we, because we, well, we Googled it before. Right. I, I think, it, let me double check. You keep okay. going. I'll let you know. Well, because when I, I could have Googled it when I read it, but I was like, no, I think that we did talk about it. But like two, so she was in the hospital for two weeks because she was attacked by the these men, basically in this five month time frame. 14 days. So yeah, two weeks. That's mm-hmm. nuts. Yeah, that's insane. So Margaret sees Emma with this man and it's like 1 a.m. Then Margaret goes back to the lodging house. Around 4 or 5 in the morning, Emma makes her way home. And Mary, the um, person who ran the lodging home, like immediately recognizes that something is just terribly wrong with Emma. She's covered in blood and she's saying that the lower part of her body is in pain. She just keeps saying the lower part of my body hurts. And as it turns out, it took Emma four hours to walk a quarter of a mile back to the house. Oh my gosh. How scary. And she had passed, she had passed police officers, like she had passed people. And it's like, how, and it's so hard because Whitechapel, like I said, this is such a complex case because Mm -hmm. uh, Whitechapel itself was such a parts of it were so bad Mm -hmm. and seeing someone covered in blood honestly sounds like it wasn't that uncommon um because there were so many fights and there were so many murders and like there were these gangs and and you know these women like they even said it was especially bad in this five-month period probably because of these gangs Mm -hmm. and so like emma's just i i just can't imagine I can't imagine that somebody thought she was okay as she's like passing these police officers. Or just knowing for her that like no one's helping. And when we get to her injuries, I mean, we did kind of touch base on them. They are mm. horrific. I yeah. mean, it's just. So, so Mary or Emma tells the three of the, the women that she had been chased down by a group of men who beat and raped and robbed her of all of her money. And at that time, she could not identify the men that attacked her, but thought that she could confirm that at least one was, like, in his teens, basically. Mm -hmm. After some convincing, Mary, Margaret, and then another lodger named Annie um, accompanied Emma to the the London hospital. They took – it was about a 15-minute walk. She didn't even want to go to the hospital? No. No, they – she was – she did not, and they convinced her because she was in such bad shape. Oh, my goodness. And she was in even worse shape than what they actually knew. So on the walk to the hospital, they pass um, this street on Osborne Street. And Emma points out this area by this cocoa factory and says that she had been attacked there. Mm-hmm. So she goes to the hospital. And like I said, Dr. Haslip um, says that her injuries are just terrible. So Emma's right ear is basically torn off. Her peri- peritoneum, like I said, which is the lining cavity that protects your organs, is hang is cut. And then the area between her vagina and her anus had been ripped. Oh, my God. Most likely due to this violent sexual assault. Haslip said that, quote unquote, a blunt object had been thrust into her with great force. Which gives me really bad feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and So when she came to the hospital, she had ripped off a piece of her dress, like a piece of cloth, Mm -hmm. and had basically like slung it in between her legs and wrapped it around her shoulder. Mm. 
Oh my god. And was like holding her organ, her inner organs <gasps> together, essentially. Oh my god. And then she had to walk. She had to she had to walk back to the house like this and then they had to walk another 15 minutes to the hospital. Exactly. She's walking with a homemade sling keeping her organs in her body. For 4 hours passing police, passing people, passing it it just is it's inexcusable. It's amazing she even made it home. Then that's it. she's a badass. She's a fucking yeah. warrior. I mean, I the fact that she even lived through the attack itself and she later says that she couldn't determine if it was like a knife or if it was something else that they were using to attack her. But she she was like, I know it was not a body like it was not a human no. body yeah. part. And it's just horrific. It's just disgusting. Um, and <clears throat> and so even though that Emma had been known for her drinking problem around town, um, Dr. Haslip confirmed, like, no, she's sober, sober, <laughs> sober, <laughs> uh, that she was sober and that she's yeah. like telling the truth. Like, thank yeah. God he believed her. Yeah, this doctor sounds like he's ahead of his time. Hell yeah. Love a good doctor. Um, and unfortunately, the next morning, Emma was violently ill from an infection. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in a, a specific infection due to that peritoneum uh, lining being cut and died on April 4th, 1888. Oh my gosh. So she did all of that. I mean, at least she was able to talk to someone and explain what she could, but oh my God, going through all that just to like slowly pass away. It's just, it's awful. And, but so that's the first, the first murder that like really opens people's eyes to these Whitechapel murders that this is, that something pretty horrific is happening in the streets of Whitechapel. You know, and I kind of saw conflicting stories because the, the newspapers are like, no, the police are taking it seriously. They're looking, you know, and they, they decided that it was probably one of these gangs because it was a group of people, you know, Mm -hmm. not necessarily, not just one. So like I said, Jack the Ripper most likely did not kill Emma, but yeah, because she, it was a group, but Okay side tangent here what if jack the ripper was in the group and then like went solo and the, the, i ha- i did read that in some parts that maybe he started with this gang and then mm-hmm. after this violent attack kind of realized it kind of like opened up something in him maybe i mean yeah quite the conspiracy uh emma's attack is never solved they never arrest anyone um they drop the case it just it goes unsolved to this day well, and that group of people should have been covered in blood. Just like Emma, it's like, why didn't people stop? But I just think that was normal for people to be covered in blood because parts of Whitechapel were just that bad. And again, yeah. there it's like a labyrinth. It's like a maze. And so they say it's like dark and sinister. And so maybe they genuinely couldn't see people. I Maybe. There are so many what ifs, but. Yeah. It just, it's insane that it goes, this terrible murder goes unsolved to this day. Yeah. Um, Poor Emma. But as I said, that that basically starts this investigation for these Whitechapel murders. Okay. So at least, like, it was not completely in vain. She did have, you know, people start looking into this because of her testimony. Mm-hmm. Or maybe like, yes, yes, people looked into it. And I think it opened some of the public's eyes, 
because even the West End was like, oh, no, <laughs> you know, like that's that's too much. That's especially with the assault. It was like even they were like, that's that's crossing a line, mm-hmm. which is good that they're actually fucking decent people. <laughs> yeah, it just unfortunately took them way longer than it should have. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, our next victim, um, three months later, on August 7th, 1888, another woman was found murdered, um, this time on Gunthrop Street, which uh, there are maps that I found that I can, I'm going to post some photos, but this attack site is literally a block away from where Emma was attacked. And this woman, her name was Martha Tabram, but she was also known as Martha Turner. Okay. We know a little bit more about Martha as well, um, but she was born on May 10th, 1849, again, in the West End of, Lo- of London. Um, Martha married was married to a man named Henry Samuel Tabram, who was 13 years older than her, um, and they married when she was 20 years old, <laughs> which kind of surprised me because I for sure... It's kind of old. I know. I for sure thought it was going to be some pedophilia status because yeah. I think I saw that they met when she was like 13. Oh, but waited. Thank God. Yeah. So they married when she was 20. Um, the They owned a home actually just down the road from where Martha had grown up and where her mother still lived. Oh, cute. Martha had two children, um, two sons named Frederick and Charles. And seemingly, Martha lived, you know, a great 1888 life. Mm-hmm. However, by 1875, so 12, 13, yeah, 13 years before her murder, um, Martha and Henry had separated. Mm. So it turns out that Samuel had been cheating on Martha. And, you know, while Martha was trying to fucking deal, she Mm -hmm. developed a drinking habit. Of course. So obviously Henry kicks her out because he doesn't want to deal with it. But I don't know. I can't I can't decide if I fucking like Henry or not, because it's honestly probably his fault that she's addicted to alcohol. But anyway, Mm -hmm. so he kicks her out. But he does give her um, like so he gives her a weekly allowance, which is 12 shillings a week. Um, and so I did the math and I think my math could be fucked, but I think, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think that's 144 pence a week, which equals about 185 US dollars today. Okay. So not, but see, I feel like that's too generous. Not living the high life. Don't you think that's too generous though? Oh, uh, 185 a week. I mean, it's not something that she's like, she's not going to starve on. But, I mean, I would think it would be hard to find a place to, like, live with that. Well, true, which she didn't. She never owned a home by herself. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. That, that just seems generous to me. But so he was giving her uh, 185 a week, essentially. Well, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he did pay that reg- religiously every week. Mm-hmm. But, unfortunately, Martha's drinking habit was just kind of taking over her life yeah and the one in the 12 shillings a week wasn't enough anymore and so she just like many other women started to do sex work okay well and that's something too to kind of add into that um allowance like plus an addiction mm-hmm. you're gonna exactly. prioritize your addiction over everything so that makes sense that she's kind of going through it faster she probably could have lived on that had she not had her drinking issues yes i think you're right because 
the night that she dies, we find out she chose her addiction over a bed a couple of times and mm. put herself in a really bad situation. And it's not her fault by any means no, that no. she was murdered. But, yeah. um, well, just the way that the events unfold kind you of. Can see, yeah, you can see how addicted she was. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, so she started doing sex work. And that pissed Samuel off for some reason, which I don't really get. Because if you like it, then you better put a ring on it. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. he kicked her out. So you have no room to be jealous. Yeah. I think to that, though, like at that time, like status was everything. So it's probably like embarrassment for him that his ex-wife was doing that. And if anyone found out about it, they probably would have like made fun of him minimum maybe like stopped inviting him to things you know like everything teeters so much right. on how you're perceived in the in you know the public eye thank god we were not born in that time because oh my god we would have been like two little hag witches living together <laughs> yeah i'd be like oh i'm not invited to the party thank god i was yeah <laughs> trying to find like a would not excuse, care like. at all <laughs> <laughs> no not at all so but you're maybe that's right and because it pissed him off that she was doing this so he said i'm not going to give you the 12 shillings instead i'm going to give you a half a crown and i was like what the fuck is half a crown um, oh my gosh this is money i've never heard of before <laughs> so according to google that's five pence so just enough for that gross room plus a pit for a bed yep for a bed exactly um and that's basically what she was living off of she was living off of the five pence and then the money that she earned um in 1879 martha met a man a man named william turner um and they william turner (laughs) i thought that the entire morning (laughs) so he basically looks like orlando bloom yeah to yeah. me and and actually i can't decide if i like william either uh <laughs> because like martha must be like super cool and chill and these men like want to help her but maybe she just is so into her addiction that she struggles but um <clears throat> so she meets william she meets billy and they develop this on and off again relationship okay william works as a carpenter uh, but he like really struggled to find work mm-hmm. and it doesn't sound like Martha was really doing much at the time either. And so they bounced around from like lodging homes and rented rooms, um, but they were in the East End. And when Samuel found out about it, he got mad and was like, yeah, I'm not paying you at all anymore. So yeah, he... I mean, you got a new man. New man should take care of you in this time, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> And so, yeah, they were only living off of what William was making, which wasn't very much. Mm -hmm. Um, And so most assumed that they were married. And so that's why she was known as Martha Turner, too. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But they were never married. So technically, it's still Tabram. Or we could go, her maiden name was, I think, Martha White. So she's got a couple of names, but. Okay. um, And William felt like Martha's drinking was getting out of hand, too. Okay. Um, he wrote that any money that he would give to Martha, she would just turn around and buy alcohol. Jeez. He said that he, quote unquote, lived sober habits as a rule <laughs> and whatever that means. And um, so he said that her drinking just caused a lot of problems and fighting between the two of them. Mm-hmm. 
And when she was drinking, he wouldn't let her stay with him. And since he was making the money, that sometimes meant that she was outside. So he went to the extreme of not wanting to be an enabler, but not really supporting her. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard now. I am very fortunate that I that I know of don't have someone in my life that's fighting an Mm -hmm. addiction right now. But I have been told how hard it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I can imagine it was probably pretty bad back then yeah, too. Because like the line of like being an enabler or being like there for someone is very difficult to toe. I would assume. Mm-hmm. I agree. They basically were on again, off again. Sometimes that there would be days that he never he didn't see her and didn't know where she was, um, and Jeez. and so he was like, but when she wasn't drinking, it was fine, and she would come home, and we would be fine. But Mm, that's sad. Yeah. So in 1888, Martha had been staying at a lodging house on Four Star Street um, for two shillings a week. So it was like a regular gig for her. And she but she was regularly working as a sex worker. She and William kind of like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm skipping around. That's not true. I so sorry. (laughs) This was before she was in a in a sex working position and this was when she and William were really on and off again. I'm okay. sorry. Um so she and William lived on and off at this she consistently lived there. He didn't at this four star street. Mm-hmm. And um the the person who ran the lodging home, her name was Mary Boosfield. She said that one day Martha um left one morning and left her key behind and never came back. And Whoa. and William confirms that they broke up and he went to live in a workhouse which sound fucking awful uh we will <laughs> we will get to the workhouses probably in part two um, okay so martha ended up like i said she left this the house on star street and moved to 19 george street at a, another lodging house this one wasn't as consistent she didn't get to pay on a weekly basis she had to basically she was only allowed to go in at night it was one of those lodging homes so it was mm-hmm. closed during the day she had to move all of her shit, and she had to pay money every night for a bed. Oh, wow. And so I can't decide if, like, I, like I said, I can't decide if I like William, because he ran into her just, like, three days prior to her death. Um, mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, I don't have any money. Like, I keep getting money, and I keep getting room for a bed, but, like, I just keep spending it on alcohol, and was just kind of, like, you know, making a joke of it. And so he was like, okay, you know, he gave her um, a shilling and six pence and said, go find, go get a bed, go, you know, make yourself safe. Yeah. Um, And he said that they spoke for like 20 minutes and then she left, which was the last time that he ever saw her alive. I mean, that's kind, but also she's literally saying every time I get money, I go buy alcohol. So I would almost take an extra step and be like meet me here tonight and I will pay for a room to make sure your money doesn't go to more alcohol. But they were broken up. I mean, but you still care about people. <laughs> well, well, and I think he does still care. About, I mean, he, he did yeah, give obviously her money. Gave her money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think I would have gone a step right. further to not allow, because like just giving her money when she's going to spend it on When his. he knows, yeah, he yeah. knows her habits. It's kind of counterproductive. Yeah. So I think I said it before briefly that the summer of 1888 was like really shitty <laughs> um mm-hmm. and actually i saw it described as a quagmire 
<laughs> uh, which I just wanted Giggity. to say that word. It basically just means like a hazard. Uh, but they said it was like oh. cold and wet and rainy. Um, they said that there was like a lack of sunshine for the entire summer. And people literally said that they could not remember a worse summer. Jeez. <laughs> so pretty bad. And um, a woman who lived at the same lodging house um, as was her name was Marianne Connolly, but she went by Pearly Paul, Pearly Pole, excuse me. Um, and Pearly Pole said that Martha, she had known uh, Martha for about four months, but that at the lodging house, she went by Emma. And so that's how she knew her as. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to just call her Pearly because I'm not going to call her Pearly Pole. Um, <laughs> The first time that Pearlie talked to police, she told them that she had met Martha at the pub at 11 um, and then at a pub and then they were there until 1145 and that's when they left. Mm -hmm. So that was the first time that she that they interviewed her. The second time they interviewed her, she said they had actually gone to a couple of different pubs and that they were in the area starting at 10. Mm. And so the police were like, well, you told us conflicting stories that we can't trust your, we can't trust you. Okay. A woman trying to remember her night at the club. (laughs) Stuff's going to come back. (laughs) Well, and then when it like comes down to it. So she probably said that they left the bar at 1145 and she talked about that bar specifically Mm -hmm. because Martha's body was found in that area. Like her, her body was found really close to the bar. So it's like. That's probably the most important information that she thought was needed at the time exactly but i digress <laughs> pearly tells the police that and this is consistent um that she and martha at the pub they met these two soldiers um and pearly said you know i clung to one and martha clung to another mm-hmm. and she said that they were at the pub until eleven forty-five when they all departed on their own way Pearlie watched Martha and her soldier, whatever, um, go down this alley that's called Angel Alley. Mm. Um, this alley actually is is historic in Whitechapel. And, like, to this day, they still describe it as, like, menacing and sinister. Oh. So I just did a little bit of research, like a little side dip on there. Mm-hmm. Um, it says that it was used by the Fenian Brotherhood. Uh, which, according to Wikipedia, is an Irish Republican organization. Oh. And um, the English didn't like the Irish or the Scottish. So I'm sure that's kind of like where the beef came from. Mm-hmm. And they were Republican. Oh. <laughs> but so so they like had these like illicit, quote unquote, meetings. And they kind of made this alley like bad, I oh, guess. Oh, okay. Um, and also, there was a very large Jewish population in Whitechapel at the time. Really? And yeah, and they were all really racist. Oh. And, <laughs> well, not not the Jewish people, but the the Whitechapel, the English. Yeah. yeah, they were they were racist, and so the Jewish population was in this alleyway too. It looks like, and oh. so maybe that's why they said it was bad. I don't know. Mm. Anyway, so Pearlie watches Martha and the soldier go into. You know, basically the diagon alley, you know, <laughs> like the bad one. <laughs> the bad side of the, the street. Yeah. And that was at 1145. Huh. As it turns out, the soldier that Pearlie was with fucking ended up assaulting her as well. Oh, so, okay. Um, literally said that he hit her with a fucking stick. Uh, so she bailed. Oh, my Just God. Just a side note. 
just kind of again just bring in that these people are just awful to these women yeah and they think it's just fine to do so yeah so pearly goes back to the lodging house um in the early hours of august 7th 1888 a woman living near one of the buildings um near this it's called george yard which i think is just like a park Mm -hmm. i think um but so she hears someone outside of her window yell murder and because of Whitechapel at the time, and because apparently that was normal to happen, she just went back to bed. <laughs> oh. But she did hear someone say murder. And as it turns out, it Martha's um, body is right below this woman's room. So she basically heard, heard it happen. Oh, my God. At about 3.30 a.m., a man named Albert George Crow came mm-hmm. home after working as a coach driver um and he saw martha laying at the bottom of a flight of stairs and it was dark and it was 3 a.m and he basically was like i i thought she was passed out from drinking like i genuinely thought she was asleep and i think like i i feel like i read somewhere that like her dress was pulled up and it was kind of like revealing her and um albert said that he like covered her back up but I know. Isn't that sweet? And so he said that he like covered her up and then um, just like went home. I don't know how I feel about that because come to find out, apparently it was like really obvious that something was wrong um, under her dress. And so, but I, I guess to play devil's advocate, it just was dark. I I mean, he said that he didn't realize and 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 they took his word for it. What I'm, what I'm like kind of figuring through all this too as you tell me is like this probably seems like an area where you keep your head down and you mind your own business you're probably right so like you know there he's not gonna a lot of these people are not gonna go above and beyond they're gonna show some human decency but like you got to keep your head down because if it's not you know them it's you and it's kind of like you just want to keep to yourself and not bother i guess you're probably right. Uh, when I read this, you know, I kind of was like, oh, I feel like there should be like a camaraderie yeah. between the, you know, these communities. But you're probably right. They- yeah. You just kind of look out for yourself and try not to get attacked, it sounds like. I think the women looked out for each other. Yeah. But, yeah. But I'm not surprised about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so so that happened. So Albert found, you know, thinks she's asleep, covers her up and then leaves. That's at 3.30 a.m. At 5 a.m., when another man named John Saunders Reeves uh, was going into work, he found Martha, and I don't know if it was, like, brighter or if he, like, touched her, or I I don't know what he did, but he find, he was the one who discovered that she was actually deceased. Mm. And um, Dr. Timothy Robert Killeen, I think, uh, arrived on scene at five. That's definitely his name. I just don't know how to pronounce it. How to pronounce it, yeah. Uh, um, arrived on scene at 5.30 a.m. And he expected that Martha had been dead for at least three hours. <clears throat> which goes back to that woman hearing murder. Which Yeah. So so you're saying that the person who killed her was like, murder! Like, <laughs> like t- you know, describing his, his talking actions. out loud. I, I don't know. Or maybe it was her, like her... Like, you know how you yell, like, fire or whatever? Oh, like, asking for help? Yeah, like, maybe all she could get out was murder and, like, just thought, like, what's the one word I can scream right now? 
Well, it is kind of curious because when I tell you her injuries, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that if it was Martha screaming that it was just murder. Okay. So her injuries. Uh, Martha had been stabbed 39 times in her neck and ob- oh abdomen. God. She had been stabbed nine times in her throat, five in her lung, in her left lung, Mm-hmm. Two in her right lung, one in her heart, five in her liver, two in her spleen. Oh my god! And six in her stomach. Oh my gosh! Yeah, okay. There had to have been more screaming. Uh, Martha had also been stabbed <clears throat> in and around her vagina. <sighs> Just awful. Um. I, I warned you guys, we've had some nice, like, light ghost stories, and now... We have, yeah. And it's... So that means it's gonna be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, like, in some of, like, the newspaper clippings that I found, they um, had, like, drawings, you know, rather than photos, they would, like, draw things, which is disturbing all in its own, because they would, yeah. like, draw pretty graphic fo- images, but one of them was, like, a drawing of her corset, and it, like, had all these stab marks on it and it just it is like i said if it really was martha screaming i'm sure it was more than just murder i just can't fucking imagine that this was quiet maybe it was yeah well and maybe that person slept i mean slept through it and that's all they heard maybe they're lying and don't want to be a part of it and and actually i just kind of had a realization she was stabbed in the throat they possibly uh, we will come to find out Jack the Ripper's kind of M.O. is to slash the windpipe. Mm. So. Um, so people can't scream. Yep. So maybe that was one of the first hits, maybe. Just- yeah, maybe. I mean, if this is if she if they someone heard someone yell murder, maybe then if Jack the Ripper learned then that I need to stop the screaming. Oh, I don't like that, but. That's mm-hmm. how it works, unfortunately. Yeah. His evolution. Um, so Dr. Colleen said that Martha had been placed in a quote-unquote sexual position. Um, but he said that there had been no indication that she had been raped, which is obviously just not true. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, the indication that she had been assaulted was the fact that she was in a position that was inappropriate yeah i just think that they were stupid and it's 1888 and they don't fucking know and i mean they said there was no evidence so right we know there's no dna we know like Mm -hmm. evidence is probably a witness unfortunately yeah yeah um although the stabs to the vagina seem like a pretty fucking good indication i mean yeah (laughs) there that's you know yeah um so, as it turns out, there was actually a police officer that was patrolling Gunthrop Street at this exact time. Really? Well, or not at this exact time, but give or take around this time. And um, this police officer actually found a soldier chilling on the street. Oh, really? Like the one that Martha went home with? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so this, <laughs> so this cop's name is Thomas Barrett. And um, Barrett says that he had asked the man uh, what he was doing at three in the morning. And the soldier was like, oh, I'm just waiting for my friend. So flash forward to the investigation, they bring Barrett in and they're like trying to identify the soldier or the man that he saw on the street because, you know, Pearlie has consistently said that Martha left with the soldier. So 
thank god that they're smart enough to put two and two together yeah and not ignore what she said about that just because her timeline of the bar was different um and so they bring in a shit ton of soldiers who were stationed in london at the time and they do lineups uh and barrett picks someone out and so they're like great so and i don't know if they did this just to like double check <laughs> but uh, a couple of a couple hours later a couple of hours later um they ask him to confirm his choice again and they pull out another lineup and he picks a different guy uh-huh and rather than being like you know maybe this witness is shit because he's picking two different people and you know we dismissed uh pearly for this exact thing but anyway um <laughs> we're gonna take his word for it and we're gonna just let the first guy go oh my god that first person i don't have a name because they dismissed his charges and in the almost 200 years that's been passed right we have no idea who this person was yeah but the second person that they pulled um his name was uh john leary and and actually i think they it actually may have been john leary that 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 barrett saw um, and Barrett said the reason that he ended up changing his mind mm-hmm. was because he remembered that the soldier that he spoke to on the street didn't have any medals on his uniform. And the first person that he picked out of the line did have medals. Oh, okay. And so he was like, well, I just don't think it's him. But John didn't have medals. And John did confirm, yeah, I was in West Chapel in the East End um, on that night. And so they they continue to investigate it. And as it turns out, he was like, no, I was with my friend. And so, you know, it wasn't me. And we were meeting in a town called Kingston upon Thames. (gasps) I know. Is that the same place? It sounds like it. I can't remember now. (laughs) (laughs) I know it for sure. It said upon upon Thames Thames in it. Yeah. Upon Thames for sure. Weird. and so John Leary was in a, was in Kingston upon Thames the, around eleven forty five because he was meeting his friend. But it actually turned out that he missed his friend, and so he made his way to the East End and was standing on the street and waiting for his friend to come. When you know Barrett walked over and said, "Hey, what are you doing?" Mm-hmm. and he said, "I'm waiting for my friend." So it, it they were like, "Okay, I feel like this is true," and they dismissed it because they believed him. <laughs> I don't know, but also like. There were two soldiers, so one could be waiting for the other while they're doing horrible things to someone. And since I know the identity of Jack the Ripper, I know it's not. It was not John Leary. Okay. Well, see, since you know. (laughs) I do know. So, so yeah. So then they're kind of at a loss because their two leads, their witness, you know, from the cop, Mm -hmm. because they say they can't trust uh, Pearly. Mm -hmm is a no-go so they bring pearly back in and she can't identify anyone she can't of course not she was drinking and it's been time has passed yeah Mm -hmm. and she doesn't recognize them and that's where it ends and then that i mean martha's case goes on on uh unsolved it's in the Whitechapel murders um while it was pretty horrific she is not considered one of the um canonical five. Oh wow so we don't exactly know if she was connected but like you pointed out this could have been like his first right yeah this could have been where he practiced and saw where he de- de- developed his mo of you mm-hmm. know doing the windpipe and 
And now that we're an hour and 33 minutes in, I mean, I, I'm thinking that's where we end part one. Yeah, I think that's a, a great cliffhanger. So we've got two murders that may or may not have been Jack the Ripper. And I mean, to me, it just seems like he was running rampant through the area. It wouldn't be surprising. Well, and it's like, if he's, he's a graphic serial killer, we'll get into his confirmed murders mm-hmm. in the the injuries that he inflicted on these women. Um, and these are pretty graphic. I mean, both what happened to Emma is yeah, disgusting. Yeah. Um, and, and, and what happened to Martha? I mean, yeah, both very violent, very just abrasive and, and so much hatred. I mean, it's just a hatred. Murder in general is terrible, but to just inflict knife wounds to the, to your, someone's genitals, it's like, it's very personal. Yeah, it it's bad. It gives me bad feelings. Yeah, no, this one's. I don't. I we've. You were right. We've been kind of fluffy and talking about poisoning and ghost stories and stuff. We're getting back into the the thick of it. Yeah, and so there's my there's my first ten pages, nice. and uh, I think I think I like Amber's idea. I think we should just wrap. I'll wrap this up mm-hmm. nicely. Uh, the beginning of November. So you guys are just gonna have to wait a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah, because we do have plans for the rest of October, so we'll 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 come back to it when yeah. we're done doing an episode a week. I was doing like the bad guy. Like. I was wondering if you were rubbing <laughs> your hands because I was like, it's either that or Leslie has something really weird happening at her house right now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, a ghost is doing something really weird right and I now. I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> nope. I was being like a villain. I was like being spooky. Oh, okay, rubbing yeah. your hands. Perfect. Okay, I heard it, and I was like, "Oh God, Leslie, don't look behind you, just in case like there's some ghost like getting ready to fucking pounce." Yeah. (laughs) Well, that was a great information, and it does. It sounds like you are you are in the thick of it right now. So we'll give you some time to dive back in and take a break. Yeah, we'll see how many how many nightmares I have. (laughs) Yeah, that one's well, and it's just it's so I feel like. You know, the further you get from history and like when you look back, you kind of just don't think things like this like could happen. And so it's kind of jarring when you're living in such a, I mean, a lawless time, yeah, and a posh time for some, but like you just don't think about like murders happening and they do. I also think the fact that these people were living it like in terrible conditions and like i said we'll get to the workhouses i mean just the what the west end the west end wanted to keep things the way that they were they wanted to keep the east end dirty they wanted to keep it high in poverty um yeah and so they treated these people just awful but i think like just the separation of class and like status that was looking at like there's already so many bad things going on that like it's just hard to imagine like then there's like murderers running around too right like it's just mm-hmm. it's already bad enough <laughs> right like let's just keep adding to the shit show <laughs> yeah oh my goodness well good job leslie holy Thank cow you. thanks yeah well i have a clue we can jump right into that let's <laughs> jump so my clue is something kind of simple. Um, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. Ah. <laughs> okay. And when I go into this one, you are going to like have an aha moment because we've talked about this in the past. 
Oh. Yeah. See, I was picturing like worst case scenario. I, I, mm -mm. I was thinking really, really bad thoughts. Okay. Um. <laughs> it's because of what you researched. <laughs> Probably. But yeah, just tell me what to do. Okay. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> All right, friends. Well, that's the episode. And Leslie killed it with uh, so much amazing information. <laughs> Thanks. Sit on it, percolate. And then at the beginning of November, um, we'll jump back in. We'll get to Jack the Ripper. We haven't even gotten to the... I know. Unfortunately, the star <laughs> to of the, the show. beef. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so. All right. Well, we'll see you next week, guys. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.